Amen. We live in a culture today when we do not know what to say. And oftentimes when we come across people and when we have conversations, we always have to be culturally relevant. What do I say? What I do not say. But I'm here to tell you that we can speak the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Throughout history, throughout the entire Bible, whenever the living God's name is spoken in the New Testament, whenever the name of Jesus is spoken, there is a response. And let me tell you that the response does not depend on you. What depends on you is you need to speak the name of Jesus. Let's get a better amen. amen. In following pastors' uh, series on the Holy Spirit, uh, last week was Pentecost, and we saw the power of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we had a great series on that. But today, I'm going to talk about Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 3, if you have a copy of God's Word, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, that's like a total difference from Pentecost. Pentecost, we were pumped up, we were high, and God is working, the church is started, and now we're talking about blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, let me bring it in context. In the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and verse number 19, Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. You know, deny your mother and father, take up the cross and follow me. And you'll read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, verse number 21, that these disciples let down their fishing nets, left the boats behind. You know what I'm saying? Left the boats behind and followed Jesus. They have decided to follow Jesus, and they know the cost of following Jesus. So the next chapter, and they enthusiastically follow Jesus, the next chapter, Jesus begins to teach his disciples and also the crowd that's joining him. We call this the Sermon on the Mount. And God is giving them some practical examples and some stories and some good pointers of how they should now live. And I ask myself every day in the plight of where we are, how should how should we then live? It's like when we say something, we, we are being corrected. We're not free to live out what we believe through our speech. So how should we then live? Great question. So God calls his people to truly display the character and how they should live. In the Old Testament, Israel was the kingdom of priests mediating between God and man to the rest of humanity. Exodus chapter 19, verse number 5 and 6, we learn that there. In the New Testament, Jesus calls us to be the salt and the light. Where do you find that? In the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is calling the found. And before we get started here today, I want to encourage you, church, we need to be found loving the found and then start loving the lost. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. When the found loves the found, and together the found loves the lost. And so he's talking to his disciples. However, the Sermon on the Mount is not an instructional manual for winning God's favor. Let me get it out of the way. 
So you can read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Do everything that it says, but do not have Jesus. It just became an instructional manual for you. But you want our transformation. That is why the gospel is grace. That's why it starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We'll look deeper into that. This life, when you come to know Jesus Christ, is when you have surrendered your life in following Jesus. You see, when you follow Jesus, you become an ambassador of Christ. You represent Christ wherever you go. And this sermon shows us what our heart, that is, it has been melted and it has been transformed by the gospel of grace. And because of the work of Jesus Christ inside our heart, we then live thereof. You know, the Pharisees, the Pharisees focused on the external for the audience of many. When they fasted, everyone knew they fasted. When they gave, everyone knew they gave. What Jesus is calling us not to the external, he's calling on and addressing the internal, that the internal as an audience of one. His name is Jesus. And when you start living for Jesus, everything that happens internally, you will live externally, then it will be for his glory. You know, A.W. Tozer said it well. The Pharisees are hard on others and easy on themselves. Whereas you need to be hard on yourself and easy on others. But we got it mixed up. You see, if you're living around lost people, expect lost things. Expect lost conversations. Ex expect lostness. <coughs> You cannot find life from someone who is dead. It's summer in Pensacola. Everyone comes to enjoy the sunshine and the humidity. I mean, everyone. So the supermarket will be different. The beaches will be different. Your business will be different. Everyone's here. And I promise you that you're going to encounter people this summer that do not believe what you believe, do not walk the way you walk, do not talk the way you talk, and really do not dress the way you dress. It's okay to sit with those you disagree and have a good cup of coffee. It's okay. It's okay to break bread with people who do not believe what you believe. It is really okay. How come, Sean? Well, Jesus did it. That's what Jesus did. He hung out with people least expected, travel roads least expected to reach the unreached. So this, this Sermon on the Mount is teaching us we have experienced the disaster of disobedience. We have seen what he has done to the world. We need to have a cleansing from within because we do not have the spiritual resources on our own to please and to honor God. We have found the enemy, and it is I. You cannot stand before the throne room of God and say that I'm a good person. You can be the best person, but without Jesus, you will not spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven that he's talking about. You need Jesus Christ. So everything on the Sermon on the Mount, you can obey it as an instructional manual and don't have Jesus, 
All you did was have behavior modification, not heart transformation. So I'm glad you joined us today. And if you're online with us, we got Tim Hunter that's chatting with you. I pray that he will answer some of your questions and give a great opportunity to come to know Jesus, take your next step towards joining the local church. So this Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice the truth of salvation is by grace is the opening verse of this Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus was teaching that the kingdom of heaven is a gift. I love gifts. This month is my birthday, and I celebrate the entire month. But the greatest gift of all, the greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ. It's a gift. You don't have to earn anything. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9 to 12 teaches us that we have no ability within our own self to please God. No ability. You will try and you will fail. You will try and you will fail. So I want to remind us, the power in you is not you. In fact, it's to your demise that it's you. You need to be poor in spirit to inherit the kingdom of God. Now you ask, Sean, what is a poor in spirit? I'm glad you asked. So I'm going to give you five practical helps. How you live with the poor in spirit, where you live, where you work, and where you play. Is that okay? Five tips, practical tips, how to be poor in the spirit. Number one, the poor in the spirit are humble. The poor in the spirit are humble. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first sermon, he ends with an altar call. If you don't believe me, you're a fool. Imagine that altar call. So if you don't come to the altar, well, you'll come to that place, okay? So you need to ask God for wisdom. James chapter 4 and verse number 10. Humble yourselves in the ways of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will exalt you. So the first thing is the poor in spirit are humble. It is the opposite of self-sufficiency. The opposite. We are so trained to depend on self. When your self decreases and you came at the rock bottom, Christ begins to work. John the Baptist says, may we decrease and may we increase. I'm afraid today that when we look at the poor in spirit, our self need to be denied. We need to kill self. I'm afraid today there's many of us who say we follow Jesus, we have our self on life support machine. We want to keep something alive. You know, Jesus, I'll give you all of that, but I'm not ready as yet. The very fact that you're not ready as yet, you're not ready at all. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor recognizes you need to come to a place of recognition that we are spiritually broken, that we are bankrupt, that we are lost. We need to understand that, that we are nothing and Christ is everything. And you need humility for that. No one in this room without humility can truly say, man, I am nothing and Jesus is everything. 
If you do, you're a liar. I can't without humility. So the poor in spirit must be full of humility, acknowledging your hopelessness, acknowledging your, your distance away from God, acknowledging your death. When you come to acknowledge when I'm poor, when I'm at the end of myself, it's the beginning of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I preached a sermon a couple of months ago, don't settle. Don't settle for the best future if you're depending on yourself. Ask God. Ask God. Don't settle. Because what happens when we are totally broken and bankrupt with self, we come to a true realization of who we are and who God is, and we are broken. And we stand up, and guess what we do? We refinance with self. When you are spiritually broken and bankrupt, it's not time to refinance. It's time to call upon the name of Jesus. I read this book, and everyone that God did a mighty work, he broke them. He broke them. And if you are today in the process of brokenness, i got news for you. God is working on you for his glory. Are you willing to say, Lord, I want to stay. You are the potter, I am the clay. Don't jump out of the hands of King Jesus. He knows what's best for you. Blessed are the humble, because no one in history was ever more approachable than Jesus. Why? He humbled himself, even unto death. Death on a cross. I'm afraid, church, if we do not understand humility, the urgency of taking the gospel as an hindrance, because we are putting ourselves before King Jesus. Younger generation, listen to me carefully. Humility will take you places your talent will never take you. Humility will take you places where your talent can never take you. Church of Jesus Christ, we need men and women to trust more than Abraham. We need men and women to be wiser than Solomon, stronger than Samson, more patient than Job, more prayerful than Daniel, more long-suffering than Paul. We need to have the love and humility of Jesus. So the people all around us, when we humble ourselves, he will exalt you. He will lift you up. And so what we need to do, if you want God to fully work a transformation life, work in your, in your life, you need to decrease. Hit rock bottom. Then Jesus has something to work with. You see, Jesus cannot work with someone who you are pretending to be. He can work with you because he knows you, because he formed you, and he wants you broken, a broken vessel before him. Be humble and compassionate this summer. I challenge you when you're driving somewhere, be broken and compassionate. Pull over and meet someone's need. You know, we always tell, you know, we are the church. 
We are the church, and we see a need in the community, and we say, why is the church not responding? But you just said, we are the church. Look at that as an opportunity for you to make an impact in the kingdom of God. You could talk to someone today who is doing the very best not to fall apart. Just be kind. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know in your own home where your child's heart and mind is. Be kind, compassionate, humble. I was listening to a podcast uh, yeah, this past week. One of my friend's church in Alabama they have something paid forward. And so uh, they decided to buy people's coffee at Starbucks. And so every time they go to Starbucks, they pay for someone behind. And uh, if I'm doing it, I'll check if one person is in the car. Sometimes the entire music team, you know, you got broke, all right? Anyway, <laughs> so, so this person, you know, went to the window, and the, the person in the window said, someone in the front already paid for your coffee. So this person in the car quickly checked, and took his registration. And he saw the church sticker, the decal, on the back of the car. So this person got the coffee, went home, and called the church. He said, church, license number plate. I'm just letting you know, we don't keep license plate numbers, all right? Just, just while we at this place. Can I get to know this person? Like, no, I'm sorry, we don't keep license plate. But let me tell you, that was my drive home, my last cup, cup of coffee, and I was about to take my life. Because everything in the world is going so against me, and I'm done. But that person who bought the cup of coffee showed me the way. True story. Because you could talk to someone today who is doing the very best. Not to fall apart. Be humble, be kind. Humility is a key to everything we desire in our own deepest intentions. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who are bankrupt to self and living on the riches of the kingdom. You're living on the, on, 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 on the kingdom, my friend. You're living on the strength of the king. Because if you trust yourself so much, please, tomorrow morning, at 5.55, try to rise the sun. And while you're at it, stop the humidity. That'll be a good thing. You see, God has called us to humble ourselves. If you know the truth, it should not puff you up. If you know the truth, it should humble you. So God is talking to people who are found already. They already decided to follow him. And the first thing he says, you need to be broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Number two, the poor in spirit build others up. The poor in spirit build others up. Do you know why we can build others up? Because we know the foundation. Those of you who know Jesus, you build others up because you know the foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. That's the only one verse I know of any hymn. That's what I told the first service. You know what it is to stand on the foundation. And because you know what it means to stand on the foundation, you can share your experience and build somebody up. Bob Goff, one of my favorite authors, I quote, 
You will be known for your opinions, but remembered by your love. You will be known for your opinions, but you will be remembered by your love. Everyone has an opinion. It changes every five minutes. They don't want to know your opinion. Hey, guys, some people at your workplace, they just don't need your advice. They need your love. You know, you can want good for someone without loving them. I think they'll want the love before the good. You help others to grow in you. It grow in you. You know, we have various forms of communication. Pick up your phones quickly, right? Let's do something cool. Pick up your phones. Text the word CONNECT to 85050 right now. Uh, as we're talking, pull up your phones, okay? Uh, just move out from your Instagram page. Go, go to your text messages. Text the word, connect to 85050, including you online. You're watching online. Stop the car, pull over, <laughs> and, uh, and text the word, connect 85050. What you're going to see behind me, those, 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 those options are going to populate. Choose one option. Choose the option. Your favorite form of communication. As you can see behind me, you can see this populating, right? Everybody, take off your phones. All right, you might win a prize. No, I'm joking. But just text the word CONNECT to 85050. I want to show you something. You and I communicate to people every day in various ways. But let me remind you, every good conversation starts with being a good listener. Let me tell you, on Twitter, that tweet, that bird flies fast. It's gone. So let's look at this poll. Oh, wow, you have texting. Texting 61, social 12, handwritten letter, wow, 1%. Those are the days, okay? Uh, phone, yeah, 12%, visits, 13%. Do you know when you text somebody, you get a response? When you email someone, you get a reaction. But when you visit someone, you start a relationship. I promise you, if you added one form of communication, only, oh, visit gone to 12, wow. <laughs> only a visit gets you coffee, lunch, or dinner. Everything else gets you nothing. Do you know why we, we choose to communicate that way? Because on those communication channels, we hurt people more than build people. And we don't have the guts to tell them straight on the face. So guess what we do? We use social media. You share your opinion on social media. Social media is not to hang your dirty laundry. Social media, use it for the benefit of the kingdom. So if God has spoken to you about a verse, something, use it to build others up. Texting, 58%. Social, 12%. The reason why I'm asking you this, guys, is because we communicate every day. Let me ask you, is your communication helping to build someone or tear someone down? What did Jesus do? Jesus built them up. When everyone was tearing, the poor lady, Samaritan woman, John chapter 4, he built her up. So we have people all around us, could be in our classroom, could be uh, you know, on, on, on our workplace, could be in our sports team. Your speech, if you know Jesus, your speech should be one seasoned with salt, helping to build someone up instead of tearing them down. I read the message often just to see, hey, how, how is this 
a translation. I, I, I just read, it's not my primary Bible. The ESV is my primary Bible. James chapter 1 and verse number 19. We know that. Be quick to listen, right? Listen to this verse. Dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let your anger straggle along the rear. Wow. That's a messy translation. Dear friends, this is the verse that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. I love this. Dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let your anger straggle along in the rear. The rear means back. <laughs> you know what do we do? Our anger is gone. Our ear is catching up. Our tongue is lost in the middle somewhere. What does that show us? That the people who are very next to us, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, the people that are very next to you who has no clue who Jesus is, you have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you don't go with your ear first, you will hurt rather than heal. Am I talking the truth today? The gospel is all about reconciliation. This next quote, only Tony Evans can say it. Nobody else can say it. Listen to this, and I quote, Jesus died not only to save your life, but also to control your mouth. You can use your mouth to say amen. Amen. Jesus died not only to save your life, but also to control your mouth. Why? Why? Because gossip dies when it has no audience. If somebody is in a, in a, not a conversation that you should be involved in, walk away. You cannot sit in the group today and gossip and tomorrow talk about the gospel of grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor, because when you are poor, you know what it is to build somebody up. They just don't need your advice right now. They need your love. Wow, number three, the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. We've got more to go, all right? Number three, the poor in spirit are people of prayer, are people of prayer. They cannot go a day without prayer, and prayer must be seeking God day after day after day after day. People who are looking for Jesus, uh, you know people who are looking for Jesus and they get disappointed to find you. Live in community, where you live, where you work, where you play. Your child wants to see Jesus. But she finds you. And you without Jesus is not a good display of who Jesus is. So you got to follow Jesus, have a daily relationship with Jesus in order for the people closest to you in your home can see Jesus. And that starts with the discipline of prayer and God's word. So if you're not praying and you're not spending time with God's word, your child, your family at home cannot see Jesus. I'm following a program that Tim Hunter is teaching a great class at the Corners Building on Wednesday nights. Deep Habits. He gave us a challenge every day to pray for 10 minutes and read the Bible for 10 minutes. 
When was the last day that your child opened the door and saw you on your knees? Trusting God for a breakthrough. Because when you are in poor in spirit, you don't trust yourself, you trust Jesus. And the best way to do that is to go on your knees and say, Abba, Father. Prayer doesn't need proof. Prayer needs practice. Every one of us in this room know that prayer works. And I'm just telling you, you could be knocking the door and knocking the door and knocking the door, and God is about to open. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you're knocking the door and the door is still closed, praise God in the hallway. Because when God opens a door, you will know how to respond. Don't clench your fist as if Jesus is on your clock. He is the creator of all time. Because people around us, people love to be with someone who spends time with the living God. Why do you think people flock to Jesus? Why do you think people come to you to pray with or to ask some advice? Why? Because you have spent time with Jesus. So talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. Bring the names before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because the world is both our mission field and our battlefield. You've got to be in prayer, communion with God. You cannot go into classroom tomorrow with last week's strength. You cannot go tomorrow to work with last week's prayer gathering. If all you are dependent upon Wednesdays and Sundays, you are starving. Discipline time of prayer on your knees and being desperate for God to break through. Number four, the poor in spirit are surrendered. The poor in spirit are surrendered. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They are surrendered people. I believe a surrendered person has a seat at the table. Clean hands, clean hearts, the work of Jesus Christ. And when you come to be surrendered before Jesus, listen to this, you trust in God's providence. When you surrender to Jesus, you trust in God's providence. And I'm letting you know that he, the king, has a big purse. He's no man's debtor. He owned the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills. Because if you don't see God in his providence, you become very envious. Am I talking to someone today? Why God didn't bless me? Why didn't I get the promotion? They're showing favoritism. Wow. Trust in God's providence. Here's the truth. We fear being dependent upon God when really we should be in fear depending on ourselves. Amen? We fear giving it to God. How many times, maybe there's a testimony in this room, how many times you brought your business and said, Lord, here's my business. If, if you, uh, I can't do it without you. I will go broke without you. Even if I'm broke in my business, I give it to you, I surrender, I trust in your providence. And how many of you are here today who can shout an amen that God is a God of his word? Amen? amen? Surrender. 
You'll not be envious of someone next to you when you surrender unto God's providence. He's got something better for you. That neighbor don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Not only you surrender in God's providence, they also trust in God's timing. They are patient. Patient. Now, there is always a gap between the pain and the promise. I call it the gap of grace. Deshni and I are in the gap of grace. And we're waiting for God. God, is your timing. And, and, and when you come through God, bang, we're going to be ready. Trust in God. Now, if there was pain and you're trusting God for the promise, don't give up in between. That is God's grace. You're living by God's grace. And I'm grateful that I'm living by God's grace. Because I know the grace will carry me through. I am patient because God is good. But this is what happens. This is what happens. I believe the biggest hindrance of revival is murmuring. That is just me. It's grumbling. You know, Lord, I'll leave it at your feet. Do anything, Lord. But I wish you'd do it today, Lord. You know, I wish you'd do it. You know, you know, just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I believe murmuring is a truly a distraction for revival to break forth. How many of you like the conversation after an argument? She said you wouldn't. I forgive her. But yeah. <laughs> Trust God in His timing. Stop grumbling and murmuring. If you can trust God for his eternity, trust him today for life. If you find somebody else more powerful to trust for eternity, please go ahead. There's no not one. This younger generation, trust God for perfect timing. I believe that those murmuring and grumbling are like little foxes in the vineyard. That just spoils everything that God gives you. Be content where God has you. And God will bless you. Number last, the poor in spirit are submissive to the greatness of God and to the authority of his word. Our hope, church of the living God, lies in God and in his word. When you take the word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you get heart transformation. Not behavior modification, heart transformation. And when that happens, our life changes. Jeremy White in our D group this week, this is what he said, and I wrote it. If you have no foundation, your truth moves around. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are bankrupt. I want to title the sermon, I'm broke. <laughs> I'm bankrupt. I'm nothing. Why do you think the Sermon on the Mount started with that verse? Because nothing makes sense if you are not broken. Nothing makes sense. You can be the best salt and light by your own seasoning. But it's not of the table of Christ. Yeah. 
Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, are broken and contrite. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right, steadfast spirit with me. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore the joy of my salvation. What did David start with? Break my heart. And today I'm calling you, pray to God that he'll break our hearts from what breaks his. So, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, as John comes up, Jesus closes this way. He said, hey, you guys enjoyed the sermon? Great. If you go build your house on the sand, you're a fool. Wow, that's the altar call on the first sermon. Hey, you fools, build on the rock. Now, you living in Pensacola, you know better not to build on the sand. You know that. Aren't we glad that we have a loving father, a sacrificial son, a living and active word, an empowering Holy Spirit, and the community of God? If you leave today depending on yourself, you are totally running against the tide of Jesus. If you leave today saying, don't worry, I got this. You are totally turning your back on the Savior of the world. Because if you could, if you could add one day to your life, if you could forgive one liar, if you could forgive one person who stole from you, there's no need for Jesus. There's no need. but no one is righteous. We are broken, bankrupt, rock bottom. And when you come to that place for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then Jesus says, hey, I have something to work with. You've trusted yourself way too long in your marriage, in your career, in your business, in your education. You have trusted yourself and let me tell you, yourself will only lead you to yourself. Trust Jesus, and he will lead you to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Where there's rejoicing, no guilt, no shame, but grace. 